We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBox, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights, strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com slash B. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we work to amplify the voices and ideas of changemakers in education. We talk with students, educators, and thought leaders who are questioning the status quo and resisting tradition in education. We invite you to join us as we discuss how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to try something new, reignite wonder, and reimagine education. If you are in the Bay Area, we are currently accepting applications for students for the fall of 2023. Yes, we have limited spots available, and also for our elementary and middle school starting at TK through seventh grade for fall of 2024. Up Academy has created our framework so that new and existing schools can develop imaginative, exciting, relevant, engaging learning environments for all of their students. We're excited to introduce the Rebel Project Literacy Curriculum. It's a fully integrated literacy and project-based learning curriculum that supports social-emotional development and is based on skills and competencies. Learn more at projectup.us. Have you ever thought of opening your own school? Project Up is also supporting new educators and families to create schools like Up Academy and schools of your own design. Reach out to join our affiliate network at projectup.us. Now, let's get to today's episode of the Rebel Educator Podcast. Welcome, Rebel Educators. I'm here today with Hillary Miller. She has been an educator for over 20 years. Hillary has worked in PK-12 education in most capacities as a teacher and administrator. With a strength-based focus, she has spent her career finding ways to meet the needs of individual and small groups of students, as well as building positive school cultures. Over the past few years, Hillary has supported local school leaders as a consultant across the U.S. to create more positive school environments. This work focuses mostly on schools with alternative programs in marginalized communities. In 2020, she co-founded Solving Fun, a company focused on building creativity, critical thinking, and collaboration for kids ages 7 to 12 through puzzles, activities, and games. Hillary holds a BS in Applied Learning and Development from the University of Texas at Austin. 
a master's in educational administration from Texas State University. And in addition to her consulting work, solving fun and spending time with her family, she's currently pursuing a PhD in education at Auburn University. Welcome, Hillary. Hi, Tanya. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited to talk about solving fun and school cultures and twice exceptionality. You have such a broad background in PK to 12 education that I don't really know where to start. My first thought is with solving fun because we did a pilot and a beta test with a lot of your puzzles and things in our school and our students loved it. And I know you just finished or are in the middle of a puzzle hunt in Palo Alto. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to co-found and start that company and, and the work that you're doing right now. All right. I look back at so far in my career and I think I kind of mirror what many of my students, kind of their behaviors and such, and that it's fun to try new things. I like to do every a little bit of everything. And so about three, it's crazy that it's been about three and a half years now. I was a principal in Palo Alto at an elementary school here. And I had a student that was often in my office. And he, you know, just like many of the other students who I had the opportunity to meet with regularly, was dealing with some engagement issues. And those engagement issues came out as behaviors. And so I met with his mother regularly. She was a volunteer on campus and did a bunch of other things. Um, So I'd gotten to know her through her other children and just from having these conversations and meetings with her son and her son's teachers. And she was a game designer at Games Magazine for years and did a bunch of other kind of design work for advertising and things like that. And we started to actually create activities for her son and for a couple of other students on the campus to do kind of as a... The initial part was once you've shown mastery in something to be able to do kind of when you're finished or something like that, that either extends the work or is something totally different. We found that he loved those sort of things. We ended up getting volunteers, um, high school students and mentors to come on the campus to work with kids. And Marcy, my now business partner, and I kind of said, hey, what are we doing? Let's do this for everybody. Because this idea of student engagement is an issue across lots and lots of schools. And we don't want to see these students starting in about third grade to start to kind of dislike school and say, I don't want to go. So we started to create kind of engaging activities through puzzles and games. Most of them are independent activities. And by independent, I mean independent that students can do it without teachers involved. So we like to do most of our activities are for pairs or groups of students to do together to learn that idea of collaboration and creative thinking, perseverance, all of those pieces that often are tied to hard academic tasks. But these are more kind of engaging, fun academic tasks that kind of build that creative thinking. You also asked about the puzzle hunt going on. So that's kind of how we started. It's funny, I I actually put my paperwork in to leave the school district It was due on February 28th of that year. March 8th was the day that everything shut down for COVID. So it was kind of in this, not the best time to start a business, but also an amazing time to start a business because it gave Marcy and me the opportunity to really think about what we were doing, how to meet kids' needs. We had this group of students that we could meet with virtually because they weren't in classrooms every day. We could really build up products and do a lot of testing. So we had about a year of doing hundreds and hundreds of virtual sessions where we tried out new puzzles. 
I got to know puzzles and games really well. She had the opportunity to really build her capacity around teaching and education. And so the two of us together kind of really started to build on the strengths that we both had initially, but also learn from each other along the way, which was really awesome. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with ed tech? Tools that assume every student learns the same way at the same pace. I need my technology to do more for me. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum and that it's proven benefit to all student populations, including English learners and students in special education programs. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results, combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com B-E. Yeah, I love hearing stories of all the innovation that happened during covid You were mentioning disengagement in the classroom and ways to engage students. And one of the things we do in our classrooms, and I think one of the ways we used your puzzles when we were beta testing and playing a lot with them, was as our may-dos. So our classrooms have must-dos and may-dos. So there's always group work and activity centers set up, and there's things that the students have to do, and then the things that they get to do once they finish that work. And the puzzles and the engagement and the fun and the collaboration was one of those things that students really look forward to doing. Exactly. And I think that's actually a strategy that whether you call it may do or should do or want to do, you know, whatever those are called, that's Mm -hmm. absolutely kind of how we see them fitting in. And whether it's the students are excited to finish their work so that whatever the kind of mastery-based instruction that they have to complete to be able to show mastery so that they get excited about finishing that so they can do the next may do, or whether it's, you know what, I know you want to get to this. So let's get through this work. It meets both the high achiever that's going to get through the work anyway, but it also kind of encourages those students who may be able to master it, you know, in their head, but may not be able to get the work completed. And it helps them to kind of get that work out there as well. You talked about the idea for launching the company and kind of where the game started from a student or a couple of students who you had the frequent opportunity of chatting with in your office. And I'm going to make a wild guess here and say that maybe there were some behavior challenges or something else going on in the classroom that made them regular frequent flyers on possibly your office couch. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Teachers, especially in the public school where I was, we had between 20 and 25 students in a classroom and teachers were struggling to meet. 25 different students need, knowing them, knowing the curriculum, knowing the younger grades and upper grades to be able to scaffold, knowing the best way to reach each student. You know, teachers were feeling pretty overwhelmed by that. So when I would talk with students often, especially when they were little, it wasn't about the idea of they were just having behavioral issues just to have those challenges. It was more about, okay, what need is not being met? that we can facilitate and support so that you can get back in the classroom and be learning. And often what we found with this group of students that these are mostly targeted for was often they had already mastered whatever was being introduced in the classroom and they needed some extension or 
they needed some sort of alternative work because either they had mastered it or they frankly just didn't like it, which we have some students as well, right? Like, for example, I had a student who just did not like California history. They were studying missions and he was so at a dilemma and could not get past that. He had some other sensory issues as well. So we provided some alternative learning for him that still met the needs if he could shastri, but then gave him some alternative assignments that dealt with that era of history so that he was still learning about California history just in a different way. And so I think that's something that charging teachers with doing that for each one of their 22 students is nearly impossible. But when we have materials to provide for them that makes it easier or other resources, I think teachers want to do that, right? That's why they're there, but it's almost impossible for them to do it on their own. So helping them is kind of what we do. Let's talk a little bit more about that because it is really hard for teachers to manage and individualize for somewhere between 20 and 25 students. And as schools, we're always talking about meeting students' academic needs, meeting their social emotional needs. And what you've been talking about for the last few minutes is their behavior and sensory needs. So as we look at that, you know, how can we as school leaders or how can we as rebel educators better support our students in all three of those facets or what other tools or strategies could we be looking for? So I would argue at this point, I've been doing some research this past semester, and this is where (laughs) Hillary learning new things all the time comes in. And I think that's also encouraging teachers not to stagnate in whatever they're doing, right? Like we've met the teachers and, and I know some really strong teachers who've done the exact same thing for 25 years. And it's, yes, you're teaching reading well, but are you meeting the needs in other ways? And have you modified and adjusted as our children have changed, right? I would argue at this point that they are starting in third grade, probably definitely fourth grade, we could look at some different types of instruction beyond the way that we've been doing it. And by we, I mean, teachers across the country kind of in general have been doing it for years. And I think you've attacked kind of that approach over the past couple of years with Up Academy is why are we standing and doing whole class instruction when we know that only 60% of those students are actually at whatever level that you're trying to meet right now. And so if we're lucky, 60%, like how can we approach, use the technology that's out there, use the other resources that are out there to strategically meet kids' needs through advanced planning, whether it's hands-on project-based learning, like what Up Academy does, whether it's this idea of mastery-based learning and blended instruction where you're doing maybe teacher videos and such, and then students are watching these videos while the teacher is actually going and meeting with small groups. There's lots of different ways to do this. I think it's just a matter of organizing, planning ahead, thinking about these kiddos' needs, whether it's, again, academic, behavioral, or sensory, or social-emotional And kind of planning for all of those in a bigger structure, in a kind of holistic way. And I think it's possible to do even with 20 to 25 students. I think you need to be a master teacher to be able to do it well. But I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, I'm going to do a shameless plug for our new curriculum that's coming out that we've developed an English language arts and project-based learning integrated curriculum that also supports social emotional development and focuses on competencies to support teachers in doing those things. So it breaks out into small groups and that's all a part of the way the lesson planning is done daily. 
and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've started using it. It was built and created off of the work that we've been doing at UP, but now we're taking that and integrating it into UP and our educators right now are are using it and kind of doing our own little beta test, but we're super excited to start to share that with the world and help teachers to have more of that capacity. To your point, giving them another tool, like this is how you lay out an English language arts with a project-based and integrate those things and scaffold it and create small groups and activity centers for those students so that you can work directly with students and really get to know them, but also have them learning in adjacent centers and continuing that learning a little bit more independently to build agency. So we're super excited about it. Beautiful. I'm excited to see more about that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's that idea of independence, right? And that building agency and that choice in that, that I think often, I don't know, there's so much that's missing when we do the traditional style of teaching. Yeah, I'm just super excited to hear about what you guys have created. Well, I'd like to talk more about school culture and the ways that you work with schools to shift culture. Because to create these things and to develop teachers into those master teachers who can really manage that class of 25 students doing different things and be comfortable with that organized chaos of what that looks like and feels like when you're not standing in front of a room full of students who are sitting quietly and looking at you, right? So how do we build those strong school cultures and strong school leaders to support that shifting in education? I love the question. So I've done that in a couple of different capacities, both as a school leader, as a teacher, as part of a leadership team with a principal and a school administrator who was amazing at doing this, actually two different ones that I've had in my career that really supported building that teacher agency and building capacity so that we were able to be kind of those strong professionals that we knew we were. And then I also, when I, as a principal, had an assistant superintendent when I first began who was hardcore, the strongest personality, the hardest boss I've ever worked for in my life. But she moved me and she believed in me and she let me take risks. And that I think was the biggest piece that helped me figure out both as a coach when I was working at Power School and Kickboard to work with school culture around the country. And as a school administrator on site, I think the biggest thing was having high expectations, both for myself and my staff, and encouraging people to take risks and making mistakes in front of people and not having them be those high stakes that if we make a mistake, you're going to be publicly shamed. You're going to, you know, whatever's going to happen, that the only way to grow is to make mistakes along the way. And talking about how we do that to model for our students, right? If that's truly what we're trying to teach our kids, we need to be doing that for ourselves. I was never a kindergarten or first grade teacher, classroom teacher. I've worked with them a lot. I've done a lot of different, but I've never been alone in the room with 25-year-olds. But I went in and I modeled for the teacher or I would practice teaching reading lessons and things like that for teachers from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade to show so they could observe me doing it and give me feedback. And then that would help them to learn, you know, what they were doing as well and kind of see their own kind of selves in their lessons, providing opportunities for staff to see each other teach, whether that meant I jumped in their class and subbed for an hour so they could go or whatever that looked like. I think giving opportunities for staff to meet together, to share best practices, to go to conferences, to do what they need to do, to bring people in to really build around what is our belief. And this is where kind of both, again, on campus and when I was doing the consulting work around the country, really kind of what is our school's belief? What do we believe about kids? 
And starting like every meeting, every conversation is based on that. And when someone starts making excuses or going down that, including myself, we go back to that. But wait, we're here for kids. And I think that's how you change school culture and build, keep moving forward as hard as it gets, right? The hardest thing for me is not letting distractions get in the way to stay focused on what that is. And I think having colleagues, that's part of like having an entire leadership team or having an entire group of people working toward that means that you hold each other accountable toward moving forward. You keep focused on that goal. I want to dig a little more into the school culture conversation, but I want to ask you a question of a personal story of a risk that you took. So you mentioned that you had an assistant superintendent who gave you a lot of bandwidth you know, who had high expectations, but gave you a lot of agency and a lot of bandwidth in the things that you did to be able to take risks. Can you share an example or a story of something that felt really uncomfortable and was a risk for you to take, but that was supported and and maybe it failed and maybe it succeeded, but just share a risk that you took? Yeah. Well, one of them actually is going and teaching in front of my colleagues. I think that was the first she kind of forced me to do it as part of my evaluation. I did not want to do it to start. And my first year as a principal, I had been at a middle school assistant principal level for a few years. And then before that had been a coordinator and then a special education director and other things. So I had not been in a classroom teaching in about 15 years when I had become the principal. And she said, no, you're going to go teach these classes and you're going to model for your teachers. And so I, of course, spent way too much time figuring out the right lesson and the right way to teach it and like had every point and I made mistakes. But afterwards, I mean, the growth when she debriefed with me afterwards, both the teacher debriefed with me and then my assistant superintendent did as well. It was very much like, yeah, you made mistakes. It's okay. So what? Like, right. And it made me feel so empowered to jump into another classroom and upfront say, look, I'm going to make mistakes. And I don't want you to see me as thinking I'm coming in to show you how to do this. I'm doing it to help you reflect on your own teaching, right? And see the negatives in me. Give me that feedback, but that'll help you. I think that was one just from an academic point. I'll never forget the kind of how uncomfortable that was. But there were other things too. Safety. We're dealing in this kind of world right now with school safety a lot. And we had safety issues around the gates in our schools. We had a fence around the school, but there was a gate in the back that was actually locked in a way with a padlock. And the district and different folks were not willing to take that off. I wanted a push bar. I actually was able to rally my community, get my school safety council and a school site council. And we all went to the school board. And it was a huge risk for me to stand up in front of my boss, the assistant superintendent, the superintendent and the entire school board and say, I have my community behind me. We need to do this. And it turned out well. Of course, people weren't happy with me for a short time about doing this, but I got results, right? And I think that's like knowing when to take risks that give you those rewards. And when you take risks that you're not sure about either way, I think I grew as a leader in that. And Sometimes you just have to do that. It turned out okay. It made me feel strong so that next time I needed to speak in front of the board, it was fine. But it also caused them to respect me, I feel like, a little more that I wasn't just going to stand by and let others kind of dictate the safety in the school. That's something that I talk with my kids a lot about is the risk-reward ratio. Like, what is it that you want to do? What is the risk? What could go wrong? 
What is the reward if everything goes right? Is it worth what you're putting on the line or is it worth what you're standing up for? And oftentimes the reward is so much greater than the potential risk. In fact, most of the time, the risks are perceived in our heads and it's a fear that we've told ourselves of something, you know, the story we've told ourselves of something terrible that's going to happen, which generally doesn't happen. And the reward is generally either nothing happens or you get what you wanted. And looking at that perspective consistently when we're making choices just can help us get rid of the distractions. Something that you said a little bit ago, talking about school culture, like you talked about collaboration, you talked about team building with conferences and getting educators together and giving them time for that, making sure that values are in alignment with the schools and the educators and that we're looking at kids first and making sure that we're doing everything in line with our values. But even with all of those things, I think so many educators feel like there are, and not just feel like this this is a real thing, feel like there are so many initiatives being pushed out and so many different priorities that they need to focus on. How do we help them really focus on the value and the thing that we want and not let all of those things be distractions, but instead use them however we can to focus on that goal. Yeah, that's the hard one. What I always go back to the school site plan. So annually, we would have three or four major goals, probably two or three buckets, I call them, of where we're going to focus for the year. And if it didn't fit in one of those two or three buckets, we didn't do it. It didn't mean we threw it away. I had this giant whiteboard and things that were kind of long-term goals or three or five years down the road, we would put on a bullet point on the side, right? And then things would come up, we're like, this is important, but is it urgent? And we would only focus on those important and urgent pieces and those things that weren't important and not urgent, honestly, often those would just go away completely. But if they were important, but not urgent, we would hang on to them and kind of note them for later. Every time new things would come up, hey, we want to do this field trip. We want to do this exciting event. How does it align with our values? How does it align? Sometimes I would have one teacher, we had three classes per grade level, and one teacher would really want to do this one activity. And I would say, go back to your team and talk to them. Because is this something that aligns with your grade level goals for the year? Or is this a one-off that you want to do as a teacher? And if everyone's on board with it, we're good with it. And kind of making it more of a community kind of piece so that individuals, again, aren't getting distracted. Because often I see if we can do something, it's almost like I think about my family, right? Like if we're deciding together on something, then we decide together. But if one kid takes us off or if I take us off in one direction, we're not necessarily going to be moving cohesively as a group. And so as an administrator or as a leadership team member or whatever it is, I think if your goal is to move people as a group, you've got to keep people focused and together. That's kind of if you're doing that well and you're keeping people together, then you're going to be able to move them forward. So keep people together as a group focused on a goal, model lifelong learning and take risks. Yeah. (laughs) Great. I think that's exactly kind of what's gotten us through these years. I'm going to change gears and ask you a question that I ask all of my guests. And that's if you can remember and share a story from your elementary school years. I can remember lots and lots and lots of stories. I think I've mentioned this maybe to you before, and I've heard some of your previous answers to this from other folks. So it's funny. I'm that kid that remembers 
every single teacher that I've ever had, their first name, their last name, what they taught. They Because since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a teacher and I just thought they were amazing people. And so the person I kind of think of as my favorite teacher in the world, her name was Kim Self when I was in seventh grade. It's now Kim Guillory. She was my, we call the gateway gifted teacher in middle school. And she was a new teacher. She was like 27 or something. She was pretty fresh out of college, but she was not married at the time, had no children, but we were her kids. She, I remember this is back in the mid eighties and she would load us in her car. We were at a rural school in Northwest Louisiana and she would load us in her car to go on field trips, to go do We went to volunteer at the senior facility. We went to just do a lot of work within the community to help make the community a better place. She had tremendously high expectations of us. I learned so much in her class, but yet she also was human and was willing to kind of show us her side of the world. I remember the time we went to Six Flags. I just remember her and I think of her as a teacher that I always kind of want to be like because I trusted her. And in seventh grade, if you can get a kid to trust you, like, and I was not the easiest middle schooler, then you're doing something right. And she's still a teacher, actually, which is incredible. And she still, to me, looks just like she did back then. We're actually friends on Facebook. And she has, I think, five of her own children now that are adults, but she is just the epitome of a caring relationship building, understanding the academic needs, the behavioral and social emotional needs of kids. She just puts it all together. And I think that's the memory that always will stand out for me is just being in her classroom and loving it and going on those field trips and just like a happy place. Amazing. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can email me at hillary at solvingfund.com. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the social media at different handles, unfortunately, because I've done them at different times. But definitely reach out to me at Hillary at solvingfund.com or hillarymiller at gmail.com. And I'd love to talk to other rebel educators. And I'll be working on my dissertation in the next couple of years um, in career and technical education. So if there's any CTE folks out there who want to connect, I'd love definitely to do that as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Hillary. This has been great. Excellent. Thanks, Tanya. That's it for another episode of Rebel Educator. Thank you for joining us and thank you for spending your limited time with us learning how to be rebels in education. If you'd like to learn more or access our project library, you can go to rebeleducator.com. If you'd like to learn more about our progressive elementary and middle school in the San Francisco Bay Area, check out upacademy.com. Interested in learning more about our Rebel Literacy Project curriculum or launching your own school and joining our affiliate network? Visit projectup.us. And if you haven't read it yet, pick up your copy of my book, Rebel Educator, Create Classrooms Where Impact and Imagination Meet on Amazon or anywhere you read or listen to your books. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and rate our show so that others can find it and love us too. Look forward to talking to you soon. Keep resisting tradition, rebel educators. There are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, 
and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.